This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sportsnet today. Logan Gordon along with you. From the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Alongside my outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor this afternoon. On a Calgary Flames game day. Flames taking on their Pacific Division rivals, the LA Kings tonight. Last meeting between these two teams. A 4-3 L.A. victory before Christmas back on December 22nd. Adrian Kempe, the game winner. Flames looking for a measure of revenge and a possible two important points for them as they look to keep their playoff hopes alive. On the other side, the L.A. Kings 7-1-2 in their last 10. Coming off an OT loss the other night out. But second in the Pacific Division, two points behind the Vegas Golden Knights. And sitting not only second in the Pacific, but second in the Western Conference standings as a whole. With 90 points on the air through 70 games. Help us take a look at the Flames opposition tonight. Very excited to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome to the color voice of the LA Kings and one of the best dressed men in hockey uh, Daryl Evans joins us this afternoon. Daryl, thanks so much for the time today. How are you? Ah, pleasure. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing great uh, ourselves. Thanks for the time this afternoon. And uh, well, it's been a pretty good stretch of, of Kings hockey the last little while here and a great season so far for Todd McClellan's group. How is uh, the feeling in L.A. right now? Yeah, you know, the feeling is really good right now. Uh, they're playing some real solid hockey. You know, things got off at the beginning of the season, a little bit of a rocky start for the Kings. I think they had... A uh, little bit of a difficult time understanding the type of team that they were, and then they finally identified themselves that they were, you know, they needed to be a good checking team, and that probably started out at the beginning of December when they kind of found that gear, and uh, since then they've really tightened it up. You look at the month of March, uh, their save percentage is number one in the NHL at 9.31. They're very stingy, not giving up a lot of shots against, and uh, both both sides of special teams have uh, have improved quite a bit over the course of the year, so. Uh, solid, uh, you know, team contribution, depth throughout the lineup. The addition of Kevin Fiala has made a huge difference for the hockey club. And then most recently, uh, the addition of Gabrikov back in the blue line, giving the Kings a bigger blue liner back there, a left shot on the blue line, and uh, that allows them to, uh, again, to match up and line up against uh, pretty much anybody in the league now. You mentioned the goaltending, and Daryl, I don't know if somebody would have pointed that out as a strength for this group, given all the changes that they've gone through, the biggest change, no doubt, Heading back around the trade deadline, was this team moving on from franchise icon Jonathan Quick and bringing in Corpusalo? And you mentioned Gavrikov there. From a goaltending standpoint, what has that done for the Kings so far? I know Phoenix Copley's been great for the team, but how has Corpusalo came in and joined this group? Well, I think both guys have done a great job. Uh, Corpusalo and his, you know, his stint with the Kings, three zero and one. Uh, he's done a real solid job. He's a big presence. He and Copley are very similar in stat- stature. Uh, they're both tall. They present themselves big. He's pretty athletic. He moves uh, laterally quite well across his net and keeps the puck tight. And 
you know, the conversations that we've had with him in a brief time here, he's really enjoyed the structure of the hockey club. Uh, he says it's very easy to play behind the team. Uh, you know, they, they're very predictable as to where they're going to be, and it makes it easy for a goaltender. So he's just got to focus upon making the initial save and, you know, controlling rebounds. He, you know, he's not worried about, you know, guys being left open, you know, in the back door or, you know, just poor coverage. So he, he says it's been pretty easy, and uh, he, he's, uh, he's done a real solid job uh, settling in both on and off the ice with his family and uh, his teammates have embraced him and, you know, given him a platform that he can succeed on. I think a lot of people were pretty stunned to see Jonathan quick on his way out of town. Has there been a a fallout in your mind, Daryl post Jonathan quick in LA? Well, there's no doubt. I mean, anytime, you know, you have a player that plays his entire career, as long as Jonathan quick has here for the Kings, uh, one of the four pillars, you know, talking about uh, Dowdy, Kopitar, and Dustin Brown, whose number was just uh, retired, and they put a statue a statue out front of the building for him. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the guys that you know everybody remembers uh, and will always remember. You know, these are the guys that were the cornerstones of the franchise that uh, you know led them to two Stanley Cups, and you know they're going to be forever missed. Uh, you know what Jonathan Quick accomplished as a member of the Los Angeles Kings is, you know, he'll be in the Kings record books, uh, you know, forever. I mean, some of the things that you know that he did. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't anticipate any of those numbers ever getting uh, challenged. But uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's hard to see a guy like that go. Uh, you know, you get to know them for you know that period of time. You get to know their families and that, and and it's really tough. But uh, you know, it uh, you, you have to move on. Unfortunately, that's the ugly part of uh, uh, ugly, you know the sports business, mm-hmm. and, and you have to move forward. I think the Kings, uh, you know, when they did have a little success right after doing that, I think that helped. Uh, you know, maybe kind of distract them a little bit, get their mind away from it. Had they, you know, maybe gone into a little tailspin immediately when it would happen, it might have had a, a little bit more of a, a negative impact. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, they're pushing forward nicely. And as I mentioned, they've embraced the new guys that have come in. But, you know, you'll never replace Jonathan Quick, uh, you know, for what he's what he did and what he's meant to this organization and franchise. Uh, you know, he, he you know, arguably and will always be the greatest goaltender that the, the franchise has ever had. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate they got to have to move on. But, uh, you know, right now it's uh, Corpus Allo and Copley. And, you know, both those gentlemen are doing a, a real solid job in, 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 uh, in performing. And the team has done a great job at uh, providing real structured game in front of them. Defense, even the whole team collectively, they're blocking a lot of shots. They're not giving up a lot of grade-A scoring chances, and it's made their position a lot easier. You mentioned uh, two of those four pillars still with the organization today, and Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty, and I wanted to ask you about Drew, who missed last year, uh, end of the year, and into the playoffs against that series against the Edmonton Oilers. He's been healthy this year. He's been a mainstay back there for this group. Can you sort of just speak to the importance that he has for this group and how important it is to have him out there on a night-to-night basis for Todd McClellan and the rest of the club? Well, he means a lot. You know, and as you mentioned right there, you said Todd McClellan, like for a coach to be able to look down the bench and, you know, or in the locker room and know that you've got Drew Doughty, a guy that can play in any situation against any player in the National Hockey League uh, with the experience that he has, it's, you know, that's, that's like having, a, you know, a, a wild card there for you. You know, the amount of minutes that he can play, uh, and again, as I mentioned, all the situations that he plays in, it was it's tough not having you know him down down last year down the stretch, missed most you know a lot of the year. But I think he probably you know he had a chance to kind of reset and even you know take a look at his team and assess some of the guys and where they're at, where their games are at, and what an impact he's had on so many young players that have come through this 
franchise and most notably his current partner Mikey Anderson who's uh just signed a, you know an eight-year extension with the Kings and he's doing a phenomenal job and you know what what a mentor he's got in Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty's done a great job with Mikey Anderson along with the other defensemen but he means a lot to this hockey club and he also when the opposition you know when you pick up the uh you know the game sheet and you take a look you know down and you see Drew Doughty out there you know it's going to be a tougher night because uh, he takes so much pride in the defensive part of his game not necessarily you know uh, uh you know looking at the numbers but over 600 points in his career and again two times Stanley Cup champion and j- just an outstanding guy both on and off the ice what's taken this group from last year being a fringe playoff team that came in and sort of surprised everyone by taking Edmonton to seven games to a team that's now battling for top spot in the Pacific and potentially top spot in the Western Conference in your mind? Well, I think like last year, you know, at when the year started off, you know, they were a little bit of a, you know, an unknown and, you know, the, they, like you say, they flew under the, under the radar mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, you know, as the year went on, I think, uh, you know, when they picked up Arvidsson, Deneau and Edler, that changed the whole complexion of the hockey club. Um, you know, and we saw, you know, the emergence of players. You look at Kempe last year for the first time in his career, you know, he surpassed the 30 goal plateau and he's done it again this year, but you know, these guys are starting to grow a little bit, but uh, uh, I think when it comes into this year with an expectation now, after having got to the playoffs last year, uh, there's a little bit more pressure on you. And I think they've done a great job and it started right from when the season ended last year, how are the Kings going to get better? And, you know, Rob Blake, Luke Robitaille, management, ownership, they committed to go out and uh, acquire Kevin Fiala. And what, what a great addition he's been to the hockey club, leading, even though right now he's not in the lineup and won't be in the lineup tonight, uh, but he leads the, the team in points. And he's just been a great uh, addition to the hockey club. He, he brings elements that the Kings did not have in their lineup. And I think that's what's made them a, a, a stronger team. Uh, again, we see the younger, younger guys taking on more of a responsibility. Gabe Velarde, Quinton Byfield, the number two pick a couple of years ago. He's now playing on the top line with Kopitar playing on the wing. So uh, players are, you know, they're embracing the opportunities that they're getting. They're taking ownership of the hockey club. And, and uh, you know, they, they're really comfortable with what they have here. And they feel that, you know, with what they've seen in the competition throughout the course of the year, that they may have themselves a good chance. Now it's a matter of going out there and executing with the coaching staff and is put in place. And uh, if they're able to do that, you know, they've got a good shot against anybody that they play on on any given night. Daryl Evans, kind enough to give us some time this afternoon here on Sportsnet 960 uh, as we take a look at the opposition tonight, the LA Kings. And uh, Daryl, you went right where I wanted to go next, and that's some of those young guys on this LA team. We talk about it on the outside a lot when we think of this Kings team is that they've certainly built up this great resource of young draft picks that are, you know, sort of waiting for some of them to to take that next step into being a full-time impactful NHL or when you look at this group who would you say has taken that next step for the Kings and or maybe you know is just on the precipice of taking that next step well I think you start with again you know mention Adrian Kempe you know a lot of people last year thought that well maybe it was a lucky type of year but now that he's put back-to-back 30 goal seasons uh penalty kill power play every situation five on five up a goal down a goal he's a go-to guy he's he's an engine now on his line and uh He's allowing Kopitar to be able to play more freely. Kopitar's got 26 goals, and with those two combined, he's really helped in the growth of the game of Quinton Byfield, who has now moved to the wing. So Byfield's one of those players that has taken that next step. Uh, you know, it's just still a young player, but he's now averaging almost a half a point a game on the season. But 
more importantly, the way that he's playing the game. He's doing all the little things. Attention to detail has been really solid. Gabe Velarde surpassed the 20-goal plateau for the first time in his career, 40 points as well. He's rounding his game out nicely. That's complimented the Kings' power play. We talked about Fiala. Rasmus Kupari, another young former first-round pick for the Kings. He's uh, tied a career high in points. And, uh, you know, he's taken on a responsibility as a penalty killer. He's a right-handed shot playing the middle of the ice, so the Kings need that. He's improved in the face-off circle. So we've seen those guys up front. Mikey Anderson, I mentioned on the blue line, he's taken a real big step. Uh, even though Jordan Spence hasn't had a lot of time with the Kings this year, his game has grown. He's, he's allowed the Kings to have some depth in their lineup. And Blake Lazat, who's just a, you know, a young fire plug, he's on that energy line playing with Velarde and Iafalo right now. He's got 30 points in the season. He's a plus hockey player, and uh, it's, it's, you know, it can continue to keep going on and on. But these young players have definitely taken a step uh, you know, in, in the right direction because of the platform that the veteran players, guys like Kopitar and, and Dowdy from, you know, from the old core, but Arvidsson, Deneau, Edler, you know, these guys that have come on board have allowed these young guys to be able to grow and uh, play and have some success on the ice. I know we talked about the goaltending in a sense of, of Corpusallo out and, or excuse me, Jonathan Quick coming out and Corpusallo coming in, but I think the real story about the goaltending this year, Daryl, has clearly been uh, the play of Phoenix Copley and the fact that he's sort of come in as a guy that no one would have expected to be the Kings' starting goaltender at this point in the year. He's had an outstanding season, 31 games in. He's got a win-loss record of 21-4 and four on the season. Can you just talk about him coming into the lineup and, and the job that he's done in, in taking over as this team's number one goaltender this season? Well, he's done a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, he came in, he got an opportunity. You know, you look at the stage of his career, uh, you know, when he got that chance, you know, 30 years of age, he's now 31 years old, uh, you know, hadn't played a lot of games in his NHL career. Like, even to this day, he's played 62 total games. So uh, he's really embraced the opportunity. And you know, there's kind of he was he was the uh, the beneficiary of uh, of a team that was you know kind of lost and, uh, and there, there's like a defining point. Kings went into Buffalo and uh, there were there was a zero zero game going in the third period. He was the goalie and it was it was a real good game. Kings were out playing the Sabers and probably deserved to be ahead by a couple of goals. And then all of a sudden, the third period, you know, everything just went crazy and the Sabers end up putting six on the board and Kings lost six nothing. So I'm sure they got uh, a chatting to after that game. And, uh, you know, the coaching staff elected to go back with Copley the next game, which was in Boston. And the Kings were the first team to go in there and, and beat the Bruins in that building. And uh, he had a real solid outing. Uh, he gained a lot of confidence from that. The team gained a lot of confidence from that. But most importantly, the style of hockey that the Kings played with changed right at that point. The month of December, they gave up the fewest goal, uh, grade-A scoring chances against. They blocked the most shots. They gave up the fewest slot shots, and Copley was the goaltender. He was a recipient of that. They were scoring a lot of goals for him, but to his credit, he just keeps it real simple in that. He's a big presence out there, not necessarily making all the flashy, highlight reel type of saves, but he saves the pucks that, that come at him, you know, the ones that you expect him to save. So he doesn't give up a lot of weak goals, and uh, in, in doing so, with a team with a lot of structure now, He's got the results uh, because of it. Like you say, 21-4-3 and three on the season. And, uh, you know, he's just had himself one heck of a career. And because of that, the Kings extend him for another year. 
uh, going into the next season, and uh, it was well earned. And that comes back, you know, especially when the Kings really needed it in that month of December when uh, when they were, you know, really trying to identify themselves and the style of hockey they wanted to play. Just a couple more before we let you go here. Obviously, finishing as high in the standings as you can and setting yourself up uh, for the postseason is going to be important for this group. But when you look at this team as a whole and what's happened so far through 70 games this year, is there a certain area that the team would like to work on or improve as we head into this final stretch before the playoffs in your mind? Well, I think I think it's still an overall game. Okay. Uh, consistency is the biggest factor. They, you know, they've they've established that, uh, but you have to keep that going. Uh, you know, they're fifteen, three, and four in their last twenty-two games, uh, eight, zero, oh, and two in their last ten games on home ice. So they're a better team on home ice than they've been in the past. Their power play has been real solid at twenty-four percent. It's been up amongst the leaders throughout the you know it, uh, the NHL all, all year. But they're having a little bit of a hiccup right now. Some of that might be because you're missing guys like Fiala and uh, Sean Dersey, who play a big part on the power play. So we all know special teams go in cycles, and you want to have those both going. Penalty kill has definitely improved. And I think it's just been the, the contribution and the growth of the young players that's you know, really helped things out. Uh, this is a team that... Uh, you know, they're going down the stretch now. These are basically being all playoff type of games. And, you know, even right now, they're sitting themselves in a pretty good position. You know, they've got their end at, uh, their eye on the target at the end. And, you know, that's the win for the top spot in the conference, which would give them home ice, you know, throughout the playoffs uh, into the finals. So uh, that's the goal right now. So you just want to continue to keep sharpening things up after tonight's game. Uh, they don't play again until Saturday. So it gets some critical practice time in to be able to work on a few of these things and uh, just get themselves best prepared for, you know, for the, you know, the games ahead of them. And last but not least, I always like to uh, ask this of our guests when we take a look at the opposition. We touched on a number of guys here, Daryl, but if there was somebody that you would uh, advise Flames fans to keep an eye out who maybe doesn't get as much credit for the LA Kings but uh, has had an impressive season in your mind, who would uh, your mind go to if I asked you that? Well, I think if you look at this Kings lineup, uh, you know, it's, uh, again, probably uh, Byfield hasn't probably got much of a name right now. Uh, but take a look at, like, the attention to detail in his game. And, it's you know, he hasn't got the big statistics to put up. He's got 19 points, but just three goals. But take a look at the, his work along the boards and uh, just some of the subtle little plays that he makes along with Kopitar and Kempe. He's done a really nice job to allow Kopitar and Kempe uh, to be able to have the type of seasons that they're having. So keep your eye on 55, young Quentin Byfield. Daryl, always appreciate the time. Thank you so much for hopping on with us. And uh, not that it should surprise anybody, but your Pride Night outfit was uh, a 10 out of 10. Uh, you're always uh, dressed to the nines uh, when it comes to your uh, daily outfits for the LA Kings. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today, and uh, enjoy the game tonight, hey? I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You guys keep up the great work. I always enjoy listening and keep my eye on you guys. So keep it up, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again down the road. Take care, Daryl. Thanks very much. Daryl Evans, the color voice of the, of the LA Kings, joining us down the Atlas Peace and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Flames and Kings meet up again tonight. Uh, they'll do so again next week, but tonight's game, a 7.30 Flames warm-up, 8.30 puck drop with Derek Wills and Peter Labardius on the call right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan in this Kings team. Uh, very, very strong this year. I mentioned it with Daryl there. They are not only, you know, contending in the Pacific Division, but they could be the team that comes out in the top spot in the West. They are only trailing Vegas when it comes to points right now as far as top of the West goes. LA has 90, Vegas has 92. Everybody else is behind them. Colorado, 86. Minnesota, 88. Dallas, 89. So it's by no means 
cut and dry from this LA Kings team. But I think, you know, as we're getting ready for the game today, I think that was one of the more surprising stats uh, that came to mind for me when I look at this LA Kings team. I don't necessarily think of them as a contender in the West, but here we are, and they've been 7 1 and 2 in their last 10 games. I was one of the people that was pretty concerned when they moved out Jonathan Quick just because we've seen how locker rooms can sort of get a real negative effect when you move out a popular guy in the locker room like a Jonathan Quick and it can sort of go the other way on you. Uh, Daryl made a good point in all of that, that, hey, you know, success came quickly to this group post-trade deadline and that can help get everybody on board with those trades. Gavrikov's been a big member of that team. Uh, Corpus Salo's come in and had some good action for them. We won't see Corpus Salo tonight. We're expecting Phoenix Copley to get the start in goal for the LA Kings. Uh, Zach McEwen expected to be in their lineup. No Fiala, no Sean Dursey for the LA Kings, who, uh, like I mentioned, 7-1-2 and two in their last 10, fighting not only for top spot in the Pacific Division, but potentially, potentially, it's not that hard to see, uh, they could be the top team in the West uh, after these last 12 games of their regular season. That goes tonight against the Calgary Flames. Kings also with an impressive home record, 22 Nine and four on home ice this year. That is uh, among the best in the Western Conference this year. So the Flames have their hands full. Uh, as far as Calgary's playoff position coming into tonight's game, they are four points back of the Winnipeg Jets with a game in hand. The Nashville Predators still have two on Calgary uh, and are just a point back, and they hold a slightly better points percentage. So you still got to keep Nashville in the equation when you talk about this playoff push for the Calgary Flames. Speaking of the Flames, let's hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames on a game day. Head coach Jonathan, or head coach Jonathan, head coach Daryl Sutter, uh, Jonathan Huberto, uh, and more coming up around the corner as we get you set for a Flames game day from LA next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, Sportsnet Today continues. Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Taylor, they're here as well. I heard you move your mic. Are you going to say something or no? Uh, you know, it's here. What's going on? I can hear the creak when you move your mic. It's a really nasty creak. If you want to say something to the people. I got nothing to say. It's a Monday. Happy hi, Monday, everybody. Hi, people. Hello, listeners of Sportsnet 960, the fan. Cam would say good morning for some reason. It's too late for that now. I've already woke oh, up. Oh, it's about time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh thanks for grinding in there. Oh Man, yeah. Appreciate anytime. it. Anytime. Busy day for you, obviously a Flames game day tonight against the LA Kings. Your last eight thirty start of the year. Woo! It's gonna be a late one. I don't know. Thanks. Gonna sleep in tomorrow. Goodness. If I show up a little late, don't be shocked. You show up late and you're sleeping every day. Yes, sir. So it wouldn't stun me at all. <laughs> it could be a 5 o'clock game, and Cam could come in here at 11.30, tired out of his mind. Like, what time did I go to bed last night? Oh, oh I'm so don't know. sore. Oh, sleep game, you know, just. Slept so wrong. I'm so sore. Yeah. Oh, save it. But now I have an excuse to be sore, because I'm actually working out now, so. Now I have an excuse. Before I didn't. Now I do. You're, you're becoming the Aaron Howell of producers. If I can only live up to the name. As Taylor knows. That was Aaron's favorite thing to tell you about was his workouts. Let us know if it was leg day today. 
Worked on your glutes, did you? Oh, that's really cool. He might be running on the treadmill, actually. I usually get a text, like I'm running on the treadmill. (laughs) Okay. Are you really running on the treadmill if you're able to text somebody? Good question. I don't know, but his texts are always very odd and not correct at all. Like, Mm. they are just jumble. Mm. So maybe he is. Yeah. Yeah, funny. That's... That chair used to belong to Aaron Howell, and now uh, now DJ Cameo doing all things Aaron Howell. Hmm. Like I said, just trying to live up to it, you know? Yeah, it would be living down to it, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, on this Monday, switching things up a little bit, following uh, Sportsnet today, we'll jump into the Eric Francis show. Don't want to miss uh, another Monday edition with Franchise. Greg Millen, Megan Mickelson coming up. Of course, Flames talk with Pat Steinberg a little bit later on. Get you set for the Flames and the Kings. And uh, while we get set there, we've got some Flames game day audio from L.A. coming your way, including head coach Daryl Sutter, Jonathan Huberto, Jacob Pelche to hear from. But before we get there, this has been a big story around the Calgary Flames the last couple of games, and it's been the usage of Nazem Kadri, and it's something that caught the eye of Elliot Friedman. NHL insider for Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. He and Jeff Merrick, the 32 Thoughts podcast, another edition coming out this Monday morning. And Friedman with uh, an interesting tidbit on what's going on with Nazem Kadri and the Calgary Flames right now. Here's uh, this from Elliot and Jeff a little bit uh, earlier today on the 32 Thoughts podcast. You know, the Flames to me... Every time they get close, but th- that's the problem. The Jets can't stand prosperity, and then Nashville and Calgary can't either because it, it, whenever they can get right there, they just can't do it. You know, the Flames, to me, they're down 3-1. They look like they're going to win that game. They lose in overtime. You know, Kadri gets benched. It's a weird benching to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the one thing I'll say about Kadri is the best thing about him, and you remember his interview on the ice last year with with Dave Amber after they won the cup, he's blunt. He's going to say what's on his mind. And I've heard that Kadri's been very vocal about what he sees going on in Calgary and why the team isn't firing on all cylinders. And I think he's been very blunt about just the communication between players and the coach there. So I'm betting some of that frustration boiled over in that game on Saturday night. And so I'm curious to see where this is all going to go. That is Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts or available at sportsnet.ca. And Elliot wondering out loud if it didn't boil over for Nazem Kadri Saturday following the Flames loss in overtime where Kadri saw just over 13 minutes of ice time 50 seconds on the power play, did not play a single shift during three-on-three overtime. He was minus two, just one shot on goal, one block in the game. It was another uninspiring stat line in a string of uninspiring stat lines lately for Nazem Kadri. And I, I don't know, I won't speak to the the validity of of what Elliot's saying there that's for him to to back up to and obviously with he understands his 
status as an NHL insider. He doesn't throw those things out there, you know, merely for conversation speak. He would only throw it out there understanding that that's something that he is aware of. And I, I don't know that that news would surprise anybody given where we are at this season with Nazem Kadri. Talked about this a bit with Julian McKenzie in hour one. And it's turning now because there were so many other things to focus on. But if we get to the end of this year for the Calgary Flames and we're talking about a team that didn't make the playoffs, Nazem Kadri's play has to be up there with the top disappointments this season. It has to be as high for me as the goaltending conversation has to be as high as Jonathan Huberto's lack of, of production and play for the Calgary flames. It was a good start and you could see exactly what the Calgary flames were talking about when they brought him in and added him to a deep center group and what you wanted to build down the middle. One, two, three with Lindholm Backland and Kadri, and it's simply fallen short for the majority of the year. The faceoff numbers haven't been great, and I think just the general—I'll I'll call it the difficulty to play against level—has fallen short. I think a lot of Flames fans and observers—I won't leave the media or those who talk about the team out of it. I think one of the biggest things we expected from Nazem Kadri was a little bit of that Matthew Kachuk in his game. Not the same level. Because let's be honest, there's there's one Matthew Kachuk. And he has his own way of, of handling business. But Flames fans remember not all that long ago a Nazem Kadri that came into to Calgary and bumped around with Mark Giordano a couple times in the game and was giving him the throat slash gesture and was, you know, yapping at him from the bench, even going back to the playoffs last year for Colorado. There was that nasty edge that Nazem Kadri had to his game, which frankly, I don't think we've seen at all this season. And is it a case of a guy just being frustrated with the coach and frustrated with how things are going on around him? Sure. But as of this year, and I know that this changes going into next season, Nazem Kadri is this team's highest paid forward. He has not played like that for the majority of the season. And I think now a lot of Flames fans are saying, okay, look, we've had the conversation about Jonathan this year. That hasn't changed. Goaltending has been up and down, more up than down lately. So why isn't this team still at that level where we want to go? And you, you go down the list and it doesn't take you long to look at Nazem Kadri and go, we just need a little bit more out of this guy. And unfortunately, that's been the scenario with far too many Flames players this year. But when you sign a seven-year contract at $7 million per, you know, that's it's got to show up. And it'll sound like an old story and a story that we've talked about with insert, you know, player name here. But the same sort of expectations 
fall to him and maybe even, you know, fall a little bit more given the season that he had last year and, you know, some of the terminology that he's used uh, of being a leader and being a guy that's been there and done that. So we'll see. Some of the reaction at 960-960. The fan feedback line always open to you here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, This text says, sounds like a guy that just wanted the paycheck. He got his ring. This text says, not sure what we thought we'd get out of him. He's a hack with one decent season. Again, I think that's a pretty negative angle to it. I mean, he had a 97-point year with Colorado one year. He was at 71 last year with the team. He's hit. Uh, sure, she's not 90 points. It was 87 last year, 61 a few years. He's had good seasons, but I think it's it's more than just the points. Uh, he doesn't strike me, and he's never struck me as a guy since coming to Calgary that was simply here for the paycheck. If you came here simply for the paycheck and you were done winning titles. I would assume, unless you had no other options, which didn't sound like it was the case with Nazem, you would go somewhere where the market wasn't as focused and in on the team on a day-to-day basis, if, if that makes sense. You know, if you're, if you're simply going to ride out your days as an NHL or picking up a paycheck, one would think you'd go to a market that had less noise around it than Calgary. Again, I don't think that's the case with Nazem, but I do do I think that there's an absolute case to be made that they they need more and a lot more from him on a night-to-night basis? Yes. That is undoubtedly the case at this point. And he's a big reason why when we talked about that depth down the middle and how hard it would be for teams if if they don't show up at the same time, it doesn't matter. Backlund's been pretty consistent this year. Lindholm has been a bit up and down. It's been more down than up for Kadri this year. Depth works when everybody's on the same page and pulling on the rope in the same direction at the same time. That hasn't happened for this Calgary group. And now Nazem Kadri's in the focus. He's got another chance tonight. He'll be on the line with two young guys that should you know, invigorate him, should speed up his game. But the turnovers have to stop. The one-man band while entering the zone attitude has to stop. There's been a lot of aspects of Nazem Kadri's game outside of the points that I think we could say needed to be better. Uh, A couple more on this. This one says, hey, Logo, I think it's a combination of learning Sutter's systems and not having the year he wanted to. After his hot start, these things you have to keep fighting through 100%. Uh, Dylan from the Foothills says, Our biggest loss was Monty. Should have let him get healthy and made him a captain. 10 is the biggest bust in Flames history. Uh, what else we got here? Mike in Calgary says, We signed the mature cadre, but we need the scappy, uh, scrappy cadre. Yeah, that's an interesting one because that was a line that he's walked unsuccessfully in part of his his career mike right i think there's a i think there's a, a nazim cadre that exists between mature cadre 
and scrappy cadre that still gives the Flames more. Right? This guy was in everybody's face. He was a pain in the rear to play against. Tough two-way guy. There just hasn't been much of that. And I don't know if it's the coach. I don't know if it's adjusting to a new team. I, I for one, certainly expected more of it. Uh, this text says, Kadri's a leader. He needs to be given a leadership role with this team, what he stands for, what he's gone through in life. He battles. He needs to be given that role and players to play with to do the same to achieve their goal. This text says, he's never been more than a second liner in my eyes, but his effort and willingness to use his teammates has been very disappointing to me, but not shocking. Seven by seven is pure silliness. This text says, he's a 50 to 60 point guy when clicking, and that's okay. He needs to be far more engaged, especially now. Love that text. To me, that is the basis of this conversation. I don't think the Flames need... Would you love him to be the the you know close to 90-point guy that he was last year with Colorado? Sure. But as people have pointed out, that's an outlier for him. That's on a team that had much bigger offensive stars than the Calgary Flames had. Now, is he close to his lowest point total? Of his career with Calgary? No, he's actually in a pretty good space points-wise. But exactly like that text says, you need to be more engaged. You need to be in the heart of this a little bit more because I don't think the Flames signed this guy purely based on how many points he was going to put up. I think Bradshaw living in this management group said, look, we're losing a little bit of something that we like in this team with Matthew Kachuk not wanting to re-sign here. Kadri adds depth, adds experience, and I think they hoped would add some of that nastiness. And it just it hasn't been there. And whether you want to call that engagement or you know, fight in your game, whatever term you want to use, there just hasn't been enough of that. Uh, a couple more here. Uh, before we hear from a couple of Flames members on a game day. This one says, good players adapt to different coaching styles. Can't use that as an excuse. This text says, remember when everyone would go after Monaghan for his play, his stats, etc., then it turned out more than once he was playing injured for months and required surgery. Could we be looking at that with Kadri? We know players never divulge injuries until the end of the year. Very possible. That's uh, 100% a possibility with these guys. But by that same accord, if I'm not given knowledge, if other people in the media or observers aren't given that knowledge of that a player is playing through something, then we simply have to work on what we're given. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't use an injury as an excuse for Nazem Kadri's play if I don't know that he's injured. And it's 100% his prerogative as a player and as a person um, to choose when or if he divulges that information, but how you assess his play can only be done so with the knowledge that you're given. And if that's not a part of it, then to me, it can't be part of the equation. I can't sit here and say, as of today, maybe in the summer I can say, okay, well, that explains a lot of what we've seen. Until that point, I'm just kind of stuck going off of what I've seen. Couple more here before we uh, hear from the Flames. Sutter has soured this team and lost the room. A better environment with a new coach would change everything. Uh, and this last one says, as we heard from Elliot, uh, Friedman says Kadri is upset 
Why should Kadri get a pass on the way he's played for the last half a season? He should have been benched a long time ago, not helping the team. Why is this a Sutter problem? That from Steve in Calgary. Uh, well, Daryl Sutter, speaking of the coach, making some changes to his lineup tonight. Just one. In fact, it's that uh, Walker Dewar will come out of the lineup. Jacob Pelche will come back in. He will be on a line with Nazem Kadri and Dylan Dubé. We'll have Richie with Ruzichka and Trevor Lewis as the Flames line up against the LA Kings in need of two points tonight against the Pacific Division rival. Let's hear from the head coach, Daryl Sutter, in LA as his group gets set to take on the Kings in the first half of a back-to-back tonight. Daryl, uh, looking at this stretch of hockey that you guys are in the middle of right now, I think it's 7 and 12 days and 5 and 8 days. I mean, just how have you managed that? I know you've kind of made some changes here as the games have gone on, but how have you seen energy levels from your group and that sort of thing? Yeah, it's not about any of that, just about focusing on the game at hand always because, all, quite honest, all the outside stuff is is gets in the way, right? Just got to focus on your, on your game and and the uh, individuals maxing their game on. Dario, you talked about Mackenzie Weger sort of expanding his profile the other day. Do you figure that maybe a little more offense is a part of that? Yeah, a little bit, but I, I don't think that's his mainstay. I mean, he's a good all-around player. Plays against top players and plays hard, competes hard. There's obviously a lot of things that go into a, a demon that suppresses shots against. What do you think is his greatest asset in that regard? I think he's a great competitor and he understands the game really well. I think he needs a good partner to uh, play off of and play with. Are you still seeing uh, good energy? I mean, Marchman's been playing really well. Would you be comfortable playing him from now to the end of the season, or do you need to play get him a little break? Play him tonight. What are you seeing in terms of your pairings in general? I know it's been a pretty good stretch here of uh, the way that it's been set here this morning, but just um, what have you seen from the the group of six? You know, we we uh, changed it around. Obviously, uh, once once we we uh, got Troy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then we put and Anderson got back up to speed again after his accident. So uh, we changed it around. We put McKenzie with him and. Noah with Noah with Danny and and uh, uh, obviously I think Weeks and Ras have been playing big minutes. I think that uh, Z has uh, has been in and out with this game. That's for sure. So need some balance there. Daryl, the team seems like it's been fighting, scraping, battling all year long, playing well, just not always getting the tight yeah. way that you want. Like how mentally and the Gas tank. How are they handling that at this point? The I think they've handled it really well. Yeah. Quite honest, wasn't you know it's if it was a different market, you'd say they're handling it great. Quite honest. <laughs> I mean, if, if you do everything analytics-wise, all that stuff, which you know, if you're taking all that, then you should have a better record. But bottom line is, we don't. We know where we're at, and we handle it really well. Darrell, I asked you about Andre Kopitar and all your time around him and whatsoever. What's it about him? that's showing why he has such staying power and why he's playing at such a high level still yeah. Yeah, I think at his he, age. Yeah, he's got a really resilient attitude. You guys should know him being around him all the time. That You know, he might have a tough game, but it ain't going to bother him tomorrow. And when he has a great game, that's not going to bother him tomorrow either. Like, he's so consistent in his game and his shift to shift, the way he plays. He's easily and not arguably one of the best centermen ever to play in the National Hockey League. It's not even close.
consistency defined? I mean, is that his defining word? Even? Yeah, over and over. And But that's at a high level. There's a lot of guys that are consistent. But at a high level every night. And he's great. You know, he's, he's a guy to coach because he he could critique his own game pretty easy and he understands the game so well he, he could give you give coaches more insight than they can do by watching video for three or four hours he can just do it he can tell you after shifts <laughs> he's a great player I mean you know what and on the side of that the uh, type of guy he is too right? you know he's an awesome guy he does anything for teammates anything for family and he, he's an awesome guy what do you want to see for Pelche whenever he gets back in? Same thing. He's a good player. With uh, with Andre, is there anything that's just inherent about a, a coach's son, the way that they play, the way that uh, whether it's been growing up uh, around? Yeah, I think there's something to it, John. I think that you know these kids. There's a lot of kids now in the game that that uh, if you look at it, that are father sons, father played, right? So, and if you're you know those kids are in the locker room a lot, you see. I know my kids did it growing up, and everybody. I've, there's lots of kids in the league I, I played against their dad or coached their dad. So you see them, and you see the same traits, which means that there is there is something to do with bloodlines and, 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 and that inheriting part of it, but also being around a locker room, understand professionalism and what you have to do every day. There you go, Flames coach Daryl Sutter from L.A. earlier today getting set to take on his former team, and of course, that always means uh, some trips down memory lane uh, with some of the players like Andre Kopitar that Daryl coached during his time in L.A. Uh, last person to hear from before we uh, head things off for the hour, Jacob Pelche. He's back in the lineup after being a healthy scratch the last couple of games. He'll be in line with Nazem Kadri and Dylan Dubé. Let's hear from the rookie Flames forward as he gets set to get back in the lineup tonight against L.A. Well, maybe just start with uh, kind of an opportunity to get back in here tonight and maybe how what it has to kind of look and feel like for you. Yeah, I mean, I think for me it's to uh, bring speed, you know, uh, be good uh, on the, the forecheck and uh, produce offense also. You know, I think you kind of talk a little bit about just maybe what you take away from, you know, an opportunity to take a, take a, a quick look from up top and see things a little differently. What, what did you take away from a couple of games? Well, I think, you know, the past uh, five games, I think, you know, it's kind of... Uh, not down, but I was kind of tired and, and it showed. So uh, for me, it was just kind of a uh, reset. And, uh, you know, uh, tonight it's uh, to bring speed and, uh, yeah. I mean, Rasmus spoke about that the other day. I mean, that's part of the process, yeah. I assume, right? I mean, is that, is that you know, normal, natural, I suppose, to go through that and just kind of understand that too? I think it is. Uh, you know, I think it was good for me to, to watch two games. Uh, I think you you kind of learn a lot. You know, when I first got called up, I watched six games and uh, I learned, you know, uh, 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 <laughs> I learned the experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, keep going. I mean, keep going. Yeah, just take away six games and you learn. Yeah, so yeah, the first time I got called up, uh, the first, I watched six games and uh, I think you learn, you know, all the guys are playing and, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of like, uh, for me, you know, I, I watch Manch a lot, Dubes, and uh, I think, you know, you 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 kind of learn a lot. So when you uh, you you come back in, uh, you're uh, good to go, yeah. Well, what, I mean, what stands out about those two guys? And you get maybe a chance to play on a line with, uh, with yeah. here tonight. Well, speed. I mean, the the, the big thing. I know dudes and manage speed, uh, and uh, you know, I think 
the battles. Uh, they won probably 75% of uh, their uh, battles. So for me, it's to 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 bring speed and, and, and be strong, yeah. It kind of seems like that's uh, one of the strengths of your game too, though, that side of it, in terms of getting into those battles and making sure that you're kind of always part of that fabric of the game. Yeah, well, you know, uh, in the Ozone, I know uh, m my shot is not that great, so uh, to score goals, got I gotta go in front of the net and take takes a rebound or, or tips box. So yeah. Jacob Belche back in the lineup tonight for the Calgary Flames. In that line with Kadri and Dubé. See if uh, his energy can be uh, infectious to two new line mates here on Sportsnet 960. The fan.